Hi, Chester Elton here, and welcome to the Anxiety at Work podcast. You know, when Adrian and I first started this podcast, we had an amazing interview with a, a guy named Chris Rainey. We've become dear friends ever since. He, he runs an amazing company out of London called HR Leaders. They do virtual um, conferences and, and podcasts, and he's just amazing. Well, what makes Chris even more amazing than his tremendous success in business is he suffered from anxiety most of his life, and he was our very first interview on our Anxiety at Work podcast. So we've gone back into the archives to revive this interview to share with you because it's even more relevant now than when we first recorded it. And because it was our first podcast, we're pretty sure that not many people actually listen to it. So we want to represent to you Chris Rainey and his story and his journey through anxiety and how that rippled through his company, through his family, and through his community. So I hope you'll enjoy it. And I always want to give a shout out to our sponsors that, that make our podcast possible. You know, our very first sponsor is Life Guides, and we're so indebted to them. They want to impact the lives of a billion people by creating this peer-to-peer community where people can navigate their day-to-day stressors. They provide a place of empathy, listening, and support with a guide who's walked in your shoes, somebody that you can confide in that's been where you've been. So go to lifeguides.com forward slash schedule a demo and add the code HEALTHY2021 to the free text box to receive two months of free service. It's a great deal. And secondly, our sponsor, which is Go Happy. Go Happy is this wonderful communication hub. It's a Go Happy hub where you can communicate with your employees and your frontline leaders to send them notes of gratitude, logistical updates, referral opportunities. If you want to get a message through to your employees in a really fun and amazing platform, Go Happy Hub is the place to go. And again, if you say Chester sent you or Adrian sent you, you'll get two months of of free service. And so here now is our interview with Chris Rainey. Enjoy. Welcome to the Anxiety at Work podcast. I'm Chester Elton, and this is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gostick. We hope the time you're going to spend with us is going to help remove the stigma of anxiety and mental health in the workplace and in your life. And with experts from around the globe, we want to provide ideas and tools to deal with anxiety in your world. Our guest today is the amazing Chris Rainey. Chris is the host of the number one HR podcast in the world, HR Leaders. It can be found everywhere you think of when you think of your podcast. His company hosts the most amazing virtual conferences dealing with the most important issues of our times, particularly at work. And Adrian and I have both been privileged to be uh, interviewed by Chris and be in his virtual gatherings. It's also interesting when you try to Google Chris's bio because all you get is, is podcasts and his conferences. I finally did find one paragraph and this is his uh, bio from his LinkedIn profile and you're going to love it. I'm a husband to an amazing wife, father to a beautiful baby girl, sports addict, podcast host, and co-founder of HR Leaders, a cross-industry learning community powered by the world's most influential HR practitioners. So we are delighted to welcome you to the, our, our humble little podcast, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for making the time for us. It's great to be here. It's great to be here. I think it's the, the first podcast I've been on. <laughs> 300 episodes of our own podcast. I've never been a guest, so this is a new experience for me being on the other side of the microphone. 
Oh, that's great. And Chris is an amazing podcast host and uh, and really brings out the best in his guests. Uh, so tell us a little bit about you. We, we gave you a little background there, but uh, tell us what you'd like everybody to know about you, Chris. Interesting. I, I'm so used to asking everyone else this question. So yeah, you kind of mentioned a lot of it. You know, uh, husband's a beautiful wife, got a two-year-old baby daughter now. Um, I, I never, like most people in this world of HR, I never planned on doing this for a living I grew up playing ice hockey and I was a professional break dancer. So <laughs> that was my background. And, and I was like, one of, you know, you, ice hockey is not big in the UK, so I couldn't kind of pursue that one. Uh, I did a, a tour around the world with various music artists as a break dancer. So that was definitely fun. Um, and somehow my part time job um, in, in sales, selling products to human resources executives, has become a 14 year obsession. <laughs> And, uh, and I think it was really exciting, you know, to speak with HR professionals who are at the center of every organization and uh, inter interweaved into every asset, uh, facet of the business. And that was, for me, just amazing um, to have those conversations every day and learn about the different the cultures, the leadership styles and the products and the customers. And it was just super fascinating. And uh, that led to us kind of building the largest conference for HR executives in Europe, which was super fun, which is how I met yourself, yeah. Chester, uh, along the way when you were on stage throwing, throwing toy <laughs> carrots at everyone, which I thought was definitely at the time. And, um, and then it kind of got to the point where I really wanted to create a platform where I could share the incredible work these leaders are doing um, with the rest of the world. And then that led to the HR Leaders podcast um, as well. So the rest is history. You know, it, it really is amazing. You talk about virtual conferences. I mean, the last one I was on, you had like 10,000 people show up. You know, most virtual conferences, they're lucky <laughs> if you know, they get a couple of hundred. So you've, you've really cracked the code. Um, you know, the, the, the part of your story that's really interesting to Adrian and I is, you know, we wrote our book, uh, Anxiety at Work, and we featured you in the book because when people meet you, you're this engaging, happy guy, you know, incredible salesperson. And yet you really struggled with anxiety for, for a long time. Um, in fact, you, you were a master at hiding it, right? You didn't even tell your wife. So tell us, tell us about that and, and, and why you didn't feel safe sharing this anxiety at work or at home. Well, before work, it kind of starts at home, right? And it filters into work. They're one in the same. Um, you know, we talk about anxiety at work, but that's directly linked to, uh, to, your, to your life in every, every area. So if it started as a kid, so as a, as a kid, um, I kind of suffered for, I know I had a really difficult upbringing, you know, drugs, alcohol, violence, domestic violence in the household. And that just kind of, um, was a recipe for disaster in terms of anxiety. Um, and that stuck with me and I never really knew how to process those emotions of seeing what I saw and kind of being in that environment. And then that led into school. Um, and it kind of, again, it was something I just kept to myself. So I would be, I was having these anxiety attacks and I didn't know what they was. Right. So as a kid, you're like, what is this? What, what is happening to me right now? And, um, I'd seen my, my, my mom have panic attacks and she would never tell anyone. So I kind of just modeled that as in, this is something you don't tell people about. This is something that is not, you should be, you should be ashamed of, but this is what I was learned. So it's kind of learned behavior of seeing it modeled in my, in my mum. Obviously she didn't know at the time the impact it was having on me. Of course, she was going for her own challenges and difficulties. So it was just something that I always thought you just don't talk to people about this. And it also made me feel like that, um, 
I was the only one because I didn't know anyone else that was going through this. So you kind of assume that you're like, you're like, a, you're like a weirdo <laughs> in, in that sense. And then again, as I said, this follow came through college and then into the workplace. So um, I was in a very high pressure sales environment, which is definitely not a good, a good uh, environment if you want to be in, if you already suffer from anxiety um, as well. And um, yeah, even with my relationship with my wife, I, I, there was days where I didn't want to leave the house. I felt like I was, you know, having a heart attack and didn't know why. And I, I didn't want to tell her because I was so worried about you know, what, you know, what are my friends, family going to think of me? They're going to think that I'm weak or that there's something wrong with me or that, you know, there's this sort of stigma attached to mental health, especially with men as well, males that they don't really want to talk about it. Um, so, um, only, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there if you want to jump in, but, um, yeah, so I feel like it's just the fear of kind of what people are going to think of you and, and that they're going to think little less of you. Um, and, and again, I was, I've, I've always seen it modeled in my family where you just don't talk about these things. So, so at some point though, you, you were actually on a podcast when you decided to sort of come clean, if you will, about what you were feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing obviously in the, in the, in the world of work, um, big, big focus and challenge in organizations is mental health and wellbeing for their employees. Right. So I, I made it, it's kind of like, I, I felt like a bit of a hypocrite that I was doing these podcasts around mental health and wellbeing and having these leaders share their own stories. And I was on a, on a show with a friend, uh, Tim Munden, who's a chief learning officer of Unilever and uh, also the uh, CEO of an incredible charity here in the UK called Mind, who work with loads of companies around mental health and wellbeing, Paul Farmer. And they were both just sharing their own you know, journeys and anxiety and, you know, Tim from sharing, talking about his PTSD and they were so vulnerable and I could see how empowered they were by that vulnerability and the impact more importantly that it was having on their employees and everyone else. And I was sitting there asking these questions and I just felt, it felt like the right moment, felt like a safe place. In fact, the fact that they weren't my close friends and family, it almost made it easier to 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 share it and i was like if there's ever a time now is the time although i'm you know live on the podcast <laughs> on linkedin probably isn't the best time but i did it and uh, it was scary uh you know but i can tell you it's the best thing i've ever done and immediately it felt like this massive weight was lifted off my shoulders because i was no longer going through this on my own and i've been battling it my own on my own since i can ever remember uh, but now all of a sudden everyone knows it's out the bag and um, since then it's just been a very humbling experience. And I, I can tell you that all of those fears of what people would think and all of the negative thoughts I had were all unfounded and actually everyone around me has kind of rallied to support me. And I felt like actually it's one of my biggest strengths now as a leader is that vulnerability and understanding that I am, I'm not perfect. <laughs> and, you know, we all going to go through these challenges together. And, uh, in fact, since then I haven't actually had an anxiety attack. Wow. I've been close, uh, but there's all, now before before I was all alone. Now I can pick up the phone to my you know co-founder Shane or or someone in my team or my wife and say, "Look, I'm feeling this way. Can you just speak to me because I'm feeling really anxious right now?" Uh, before I didn't have that outlet. It was just you know suffering silence, which so, so many millions of people do all around yeah. the world. Yeah, you know that's incredible. I, I you you didn't share that part of the story with me before. That since then you you've come close but haven't had. A panic attack. You know, the one thing you shared with me that I thought was really interesting is you're live on this podcast and your employees are listening and they had no clue 
that you were struggling with this. So how did how did you deal with with that mm-hmm. afterwards? You said people rallied, and now your employees go, "Wow, the boss yeah. is is struggling with this." So talk us through that because I, I think a lot of leaders are afraid. What will my employees think? What will my coworkers think when they hear it? Well, the interesting thing is they were in the room, <laughs> so they're literally like three meters away from me, you know, and they're hearing this live. Not only are they hearing it on the podcast, but they're actually in the room wow. with me. And um, I wouldn't say they completely didn't know because there was times where I just wouldn't turn up and I wouldn't be in for a few days and I'd be like, I'm just need some time. But I would never, never, I would be very vague about it, right? It would never be like because of this. So it was always like very vague. So they knew it was, something was up and um, they didn't know exactly why or what I was feeling, but they, they, they knew that, uh, which is also more concerning because then it kind of leads to uncertainty of you know more questions was actually the opposite but they they were um they're amazing they were like um i can't remember exactly what they said but i just remember everyone being super supportive and saying uh and some of them being like i feel the same way or um yeah a lot, a lot of them were like I, I felt the same way certain periods and um you realize that you're not the only one suffering and um some of them thanked me um, some of them spoke to me about how some of their family members, whether it was their girlfriends or wives or family were suffering and how that was impacting them. Cause also it impacts you, it impacts my wife as well. Right. My anxiety impacts my family and everyone around me. And it opened up a different type of conversation. And I felt like I bonded with them, even though I've known some of them for like 10, 15 years, I felt like we bonded on a very different level than we had before. Um, so yeah, it was, good. it was, it was a very pleasant experience and I'm not saying to everyone, it'll always be that case. Cause that's not a mis- bit misleading. And there will be some people that don't get it and don't understand. But I think, as I said, just being able to have that point where you don't have to, the weight's no longer on your shoulders. You know, you can actually talk to people about it like that alone. Cause I told you when we first spoke for my biggest thing, I realized I was anxious about being anxious. So there's this vicious circle of. I'm feeling anxious. I can't tell anyone, which makes me feel even more anxious. And then it feeds back into that loop. And now for me, I realized it was probably the worst thing I could have done is that I was all alone. Whereas now I can just speak to people and be like, oh, look, I'm feeling this way. Um, I, you know, there are days I don't want to get out of bed there are, and that's okay. And I'm just want to let you know that. And I just need to, you know, to, to recharge. And it's like, no problem. But it also means that when they feel that way, they can come to me too. What I thought was really powerful as you, you talked, Chris, was to us earlier, you, you told us about, you know, that your wife, you, you didn't tell her that, uh, you know, there'd be social situations that would make you very anxious, that you would say, ah, you know, I'm not feeling well, or... Yeah, a lot of trouble for that, yeah. <laughs> no, right? Those times I didn't want to turn up to the, to the weddings or didn't want to turn up to her friend's gathering, and I'd make these excuses where basically, well, no, I would lie. I would lie. And she knew I'd lie, be lying. And she'd be like, get really frustrated. Like, why are you, this is not obviously the reason. Right. And, uh, and my friends would always make comments about it. Like, Oh, Chris was really annoying. You're always the first person to leave the party. And, uh, I wouldn't say to them, Oh, I, I, I want to go cause I'm feeling really anxious right now. Cause I'd feel like that's embarrassing. They wouldn't understand. But now they know they're like, Oh, it makes so much sense. I was like, yeah, it's not that I didn't want to be there. I did want to be there, but I felt anxious. And so, and even, um, there was a point where my friends, uh, sorry, my wife's family would say things like Chris doesn't care. You know, he doesn't want to come. He doesn't make an effort to turn up to family gatherings and stuff like that, which really yeah. hurt me. 
because it wasn't really the case. I just um, didn't feel like I could cope. Um, so now, again, now when I, if there's a situation where um, I don't want to go, I'll, I'll, I'll rather than lie, I'll just say, like, I'm not feeling up for it. Um, I'll make sure I'm there. And they're like, cool. So it's just, and then again, it's like, I would get really anxious about even telling my wife that because I didn't want to disappoint her before, right? Because I'd have to make up this new lie, which what does that do? Makes you even more anxious. <laughs> so I was, again, it's just like vicious circle that you keep going into. Um, whereas it just makes it so much easier where you can just say like, I'm just not feeling well. Um, not feeling up to it today. You know, it's, it, it, it's so interesting, right? We have all these fears, um, about people that we know love us and that we know they care about us. And yet we're still anxious. We, we still don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be weak. And, you know, you've, you've shared a couple of things that you do when you get close, you know, you, you, you call a friend or you call somebody out. What, what are some other things you do for people that are listening that suffer from this and they're, and, and they're starting to get there? Where are your safe havens? What are some of the, like, do you have mantras? Do you meditate? Do you have the one go-to person Share with us some of the things you do. Definitely breathing is a huge part of it. So, um, cause one of the, you know, symptoms or symptoms or things is, you know, when you have anxiety, you have your heart rate increases, start sweating, right. And stuff like that. So in order to control counteract that, I do box breathing, which is kind of breathe in five seconds, hold five seconds, breathe out five seconds and continue it. And then that kind of regulates my breathing and calms me down, my heart rate down. Cause you get that kind of, cause with anxiety, you get that like a, adrenaline um, dump, which makes your kind of heart go crazy, but that only ever lasts like five, 10 minutes. So knowing, cause I've done research that you can, once you get them through that period, you probably fine after that. It's that, it's that adrenaline and that heart rate increased, which what makes people feel like they're having a heart attack. And they start panicking, which is when you have a panic attack, right? Because people are like, oh, I can't breathe. And, and that's kind of how I used to feel. And that, that was, that's what used to get me. I'd, I'd get that feeling. And then all of a sudden, my event, I'll convince myself I can't breathe when, you know, no one's ever died from an anxiety attack. <laughs> uh, and, and if you do the research, you know, you, you know, I'm laughing about it now, but at the time you're terrified, right? But knowing that actually this will pass and normally after five, 10 minutes, um, and just knowing that that's going to be the case really comforts me. And then I kind of just breathe through the five, 10 minutes using box breathing. And for me, you know, I'd always also get fresh air, just something about being outside and having fresh air helps me. So one of the things I do is I try to step away from the situation. So if I'm in my room, I'll just go into a different environment, whether it's just in the garden or outside, because it, you know, I'm just separating where the anxiety started, if that makes sense. And then kind of trying to breathe through. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is I just get on the phone with someone. I don't face it alone anymore. If I start feeling that way, that's only if I, that's like, the, I try not to get to that stage anymore. I haven't been at that stage yet in a long while. So before I get to that stage, I just pick up the phone and just give someone a call and be like, look, I'm just feeling this way. Can you just chat to me about anything? Like you could just talk about anything, just distract my mind until I can calm down. Um, so that's kind of my, uh, um, I'm coping, but no longer, I'm coping by having someone on my, with me on my side. Um, that's the main thing and not, and not being alone. So that, that, and then, um, in terms of like longer term, which I've doing a really bad job at recently today, by the way, I saw this in my diary that I was going to be speaking to you both. And I was like, wow, like you've, you've the last few weeks you've been, I'm going on the wrong path right now, Chester, Adrian, 
uh, and not been taking care of myself for the last few weeks. I haven't been sleeping well, I haven't eaten well, I haven't exercising, and I can feel the anxiety. There was, you know, yesterday I was supposed to meet Shane, who's my, who you know is my co-founder in the office to go through some stuff for next year. And I didn't turn up because I, I just couldn't get, I didn't want to get out of bed. I had one of those days where I was feeling really anxious. And I realize it's always because if I, you know, if I'm not eating my three things, I realize if I'm eating well, exercising and sleeping well, I, I normally, you know, pretty much never have an anxiety attack, but it's, they always, it's a knock on effect, right? Because if you stop exercising, you feel like, oh, I, you, then you just start eating anything, any, eating any food because you're like, well, I'm not exercising anyway. So now I'm just going to eat junk food and you eat junk food and you're exercising and you have a terrible sleep. And again, it's this vicious circle that stops repeating. And I found that if I'm kind of ticking those three boxes, I feel great. And it kind of, uh, so I need to, to tonight, I'm going to get an early night, <laughs> eat some good dinner uh, and uh, exercise and get back in. So those are kind of three things that always serve me well. If I feel like if I'm exercising well, eating well, sleeping well, and it, we can go into each of those without the why, you know, with the exercise, the endorphins that are released to make to feel good. Right. Uh, and then with, you know, lack of sleep incre- increases your cortisol, which makes you more anxious. There's, you know, the, the science behind, behind each of those things that I've looked into, um, which have a diet, or even, you know, what you eat, right? Your gut is your second brain, right? In your body, there's more nerve endings in your stomach than there is in the rest of your body and your brain. So directly what you eat is how you're going to feel. So if you eat like crap, you're going to feel like crap um, directly. And I've noticed that if I eat well, I feel well. Um, so you're not completely helpless. I think for years, I just felt completely helpless. Um, and, uh, you know, you can take control of it yourself, which is very empowering. Let me, let me come back to something you said a minute ago, Chris, you said some people won't get this. I mean, this is kind of the hard part of anxiety is that, uh, you know, thankfully you're dealing with HR leaders who typically are a little more enlightened about uh, these issues. Uh, and yet there are millions of managers throughout the world who just don't get this. I mean, what's your message to them? How, if I'm an employee, if I'm dealing with a manager who maybe doesn't get it, is there anything I can do? Is there any, any way we can help enlighten people around us to this issue? First and foremost, if you're a manager, you're listening right now or a leader, you don't have to get it. I think that's the misconception. People are worried about asking their employees these questions and how they're feeling because they're worried about actually the answers. Because what if someone does actually open up to me and I don't know what to say as a manager? And I think that was my concern. I never wanted to tell my managers because I thought they're not going to understand. But to the managers, you don't need to understand. Just, just listen. Just listen. Uh, and that's all we need from you. Someone to listen. Uh, it was funny, I was speaking to my therapist and they're saying, why is it that when you have someone on the phone, when you call people, that that's actually what gets you out of this anxiety? Isn't that silly? It's quite silly, isn't it? Think about it. All right, they could be the other side of the world, but just having them on the phone and knowing someone's there with me stops, stops, me, stops me from having an anxiety attack. They're not doing anything. They're just there. Um, so you don't have to have all the answers as a manager. Just, be, just being very authentic and open. And when you ask someone if they're okay, you truly mean it. And just listen. You don't have to have the answers. Um, and then um, what was your original question? <laughs> was yeah. that an question? I think, no, I think uh, you're getting to it. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's what, what do you say to those who just aren't getting this, whether they're a manager, colleagues, et cetera? That's okay. That's what I'd say. That's okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's it. Because a lot of my friends and family I speak to is they don't want to bring up the subject because they're worried I don't know what to say. And that's okay. You don't have to have the answers. Just listen and be there for someone. 
And then yes, if you you're in a business, you can sign. Uh, most companies have you know you can signpost them to people that can help. And uh, and most companies now have the right resources and uh, and and uh, and things in place to help people. So just open, just be open to the conversation and listen. Um, and then, you know, they're not going to be asking you for advice <laughs> about what to do. And, uh, so I've never, I don't think I've ever called someone and said, you know, tell me how to get over anxiety. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen, but just knowing someone's open and, and, uh, it is, and if they don't get it, then that's, uh, I've not, I've never experienced that to be honest. I've never experienced someone who hasn't been supportive. Never. Like I've, I've spoke to people like even my co-founder Shane, he said he didn't get it. Like, he's like, I don't get it. Like, I don't, he doesn't understand. And if you've never had an anxiety attack, then of course you're not going to get it. But it wasn't a negative way. He's like, I don't get it. Explain to me, you know, how it feels. And I'm like, well, this is how it feels, right? But he didn't get it. No, no. It's hard to explain to people. But I don't think I've ever come across someone who's um, belittled me or kind of made me feel like less than. Never. Maybe I'm just lucky, but uh, I've, I've, I've so far, that's never been experienced. You know, isn't, isn't that amazing though? Because when you when you're vulnerable to people, they're much more understanding than when you just out and out lie to them, right? <laughs> you you were lying before, and yeah, it made things worse. I'm telling you right now, for anyone listening, like yeah, that, that's that, that's the worst thing you can do. And I did that for my whole life, like up until like last year. Like it's just, um, yeah, and and you realize, and I think that's something we've seen in the pandemic, right? Is just conversations now become more to the forefront and um again some of my closest friends have come out and said i've been suffering i've even found out friends of mine that have been seeing therapists for years like some of my best friends i never knew those same people that i'm going out with and i'm saying i've got to leave the party they're feeling the same way like um and it's like or some of the you know top ex- business executives I follow or entrepreneurs I'm like I look up to that I think no way right like I get that all the time with me they're like you Chris I'm like yeah like you know it's a lot of it's um you know it's a facade almost I don't go wrong when I'm on the podcast I do feel excited and happy I'm not feeling down or anything like that but there are days where I just don't want to be there I'm not su- I'm not I'm not superhuman and there's the same days where like a few days ago my wife gave me a call crying on the phone saying she can't cope anymore because she was, she was really struggling balancing her workload and looking after our door. So I had to just say to the team, like, I've got, I got, I got to go. I need to go home and help, help, help out my wife. And uh, so everyone's got their breaking points. Whereas probably in the past, she wouldn't have done that. She would have just powered through and not said anything. And she would have suffered in silence. Whereas she's like, she, she, my wife's almost much more open now. We have a better relationship actually uh, coming out of this because we can be honest with each other and not feel like, like someone's going to be judged. Um, if anything, it's actually probably the most empowering thing. Well, you know, you're so vulnerable right now. I mean, this has got to be so encouraging for people listening to this to hear your story. And, you know, I, I, I've been thinking a lot lately about our inner voices. And I'm sure, you know, we, we've all got an inner voice. And, and when you're struggling, isn't it interesting when you listen to that inner voice, how you talk to yourself, and how you you would never talk to anybody else like you talk to yourself is is that part of the anxiety loop that you keep telling yourself oh you're you're weak you're vulnerable the hardest yeah. part. how do you how do you counteract that yeah, how do you change real- that inner voice oh that is i wish i, I wish i had that answer i wish i had the answer you know that is something i battle with every day 
day in day out like it's the self-doubt it's the like for me one of my links to my anxiety is about being alone so like if i'm around a lot of people i never really feel anxious because i know if something happens right. they're there whereas if i'm on my own somewhere i start panicking and i'm like well what if i have anxiety exactly no one's here to help me right so that's something i battle with and that, that inner voice is really tough to get over like even if it's a journey like I, i've for example i've never ever traveled abroad on my own ever <laughs> because i'm so scared that what if and it's that inner voice of going, Chris, what if you jump on a plane and you're on your own and you have an anxiety attack and no one's around you to help? And it's like a constant battle. But now it's just kind of um, understanding that because I've done a lot of research around it, I understand that it's not real and it's just in my head and that, again, no one's ever died from an anxiety attack. And if I get through that first five, 10 minutes when the adrenaline kind of wears off, I'm going to be okay. And kind of talking yourself through it that way. Also affirmations. I haven't done it so much recently. Again, I've been pretty bad recently, but what I also used to do is kind of fall asleep to these like YouTube playlists of positive affirmations. It's like a five, six hour <laughs> playlist and I'll listen to it in my sleep because you know, your subconscious mind stays awake, which is why, you know, you kind of wake up in the night sometimes and think there's something going on in the house because it's part of your brain is always there. And I'll be consuming these positive affirmations like, you know, um, you know, you are, you know, I am, I am affirmations and, you know, powerful affirmations. And I'd wake up feeling amazing because all night long, my brain's been programmed with just positive messages. And I'd create my own ones at some point when it was really bad, I'd create my own ones and play them back um, as well. And also just waking up in the morning. I think you said it like before, Chester is kind of getting out of bed and just having those, you know, sitting there and just taking a moment to talk, think about what you're gra grateful for and, um, it, and for me, that's, you know, the health and wealth of my family, uh, having a roof over my head and, and everything else. We always normally jump out of bed in the morning and think, oh, what's the challenge of the day? And <laughs> what have we got in it? Then that, you don't want to start a day like that um, um, as well. So, yeah, you are right. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges is that because if you if the way whatever you think is directly re um, reflects how you feel. So if you think you feel anxious it then manifests physically. Um, and then, so, and it's, you know, you can literally, you know, it's like um, you can worry yourself sick, right? You hear people right. say that, right? And you can, I have done it. I've literally worried myself sick to the point where I'm physically get sick because I'm thinking about so much negative things um, as well. So that's also something I have to be very conscious of. Um, but now I kind of catch myself out. Before, like there was no, I wasn't in control. But now I'm like, oh, Chris, you're slipping off. <laughs> get back on, get back on, the, get the note. Come on, get back in the gym, start eating well. And then I even said to my wife and the team, if you see me wavering, just, just tell me, tap me on the shoulder and say, Chris, you know, haven't been sleeping recently. You're coming to work tired or I know you're not taking any breaks or et cetera. So like, again, like I'm not on this journey alone. Right. Yeah, everyone's help, here to help each other. This has been just so terrific, Chris. One maybe last question for you that I have is now you're a leader yourself and how are you leading maybe your team differently than, than you were led? Uh, we all try to raise that bar from, you know, maybe previous generations. Yeah, like my generation when I came up was like, yeah, I'm your manager, you're my employee, you work for me, that's it, right? There's no relationship there. And I was led like that for years and it felt horrible <laughs> it's like i spend more most of my life actually more time with you than i even do with some of my closest friends and family but you're telling me i can't you know 
have a meaningful relationship and be vulnerable and talk to you. So for now, like work, work, work and life in, in at, at HR leaders is almost, it is one in the same, you know, uh, there is no difference, especially now, right? Like work happens at home and, and, and it's, it's directly intertwined. So I've like, um, leading being vulnerable as a leader is 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 been probably a game changer for me um and the team and understanding that everyone has a bad day and if you need some time off or if you want to open up the conversation everyone understands and that's part of our culture now and i feel like that's been incredible to be able to do that and at the end of the day if i'm going to turn up to work every day and spend time with these people i want to i want them to be you know we always like be your whole self to work we hear about hear about it but like there's a different meaning to that now i think at hr leaders of what that means if, if my background if anyone's watching can tell you anything differently that kind of represents <laughs> our culture here of bringing yourself to work because this is full of star wars memorabilia and all sorts of things there but i want people to feel safe and have a have a a, a culture where people feel like they can be vulnerable and that's where creativity happens that's where innovation happens that's where engagement happens and that's where the magic happens when people feel safe and valued and and comfortable and that their voices are heard, then you're going to have a pretty good <laughs> time at work and a pretty good yeah, business. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I feel like we've all had kind of a therapy session <laughs> with you, you know, and, and just listening to you talk and the, and the calm and the struggle and, and everything you've done. As, as we kind of wrap up, we love to ask our guests, what are three things that you'd want people to take away from this podcast that are maybe suffering from anxiety or afraid to talk about it at work. So, so tell us your top three. Top three. It's interesting because I only saw your questions before, just before we hit record. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this. Um, I think the first one is you're not alone. You know, like for me, that was probably like, I just thought I was alone all those years and it was a dark place. So knowing that you're not alone and there's other people out there that in itself is huge. So if you're listening right now, and you don't want to talk to your friends and family, drop me an email, <laughs> chris at hrdleaders.com. Uh, drop me a LinkedIn message, whatever it may be. Um, I'm happy to have a chat with you. You're not alone. That in itself, just having someone to talk to, I feel like is half the battle, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, um, this isn't something that, you know, you, you a lot of people feel like there's a, you, you're kind of powerless. You're not powerless. And that's something that also, uh, so you can do it for me, you know, what works for me may not work for you, but for me, as I said, eating, eating healthy, getting good sleep and exercise seems to be the solution. And uh, I haven't, you know, I've avoided medication and any other things like that along the way. And, um, so try, try and fight, figure out what works for you. That's try, if, you know, try, try, try doing what I've done. If it works for you, great. If not, then I'm sure there's another ways. And then, um, Thirdly, just understand the, the power of your vulnerability as well, I would say. It's like, because by sharing your story, you're helping, you know, even if one person hears this story today, Chester, and it makes a difference for them, that actually empowers, that makes me feel, I, 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 that's why I agreed to come on the show today. As much as I love you and I love <laughs> Adrian, it is really about one person hears this story and it can impact them and change their life and their outlook, then it's worth it. Um, so yeah, just, uh, uh, you're not alone. You are, you can take control of your, take back control of your life. Um, and also by sharing your st story, 
you're going to empower other people and help change their lives. Oh, Chris, that was beautiful. I've been uh, moved by our, our our conversation today. This has just been so amazing. Um, and, you know, I don't think, I'm trying to recall if we've ever had an ice hockey playing uh, break dancer from the UK on the show. It may be a first. I, I have to look back to the... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And, and, and also just for the impact you can have on your own family as well. Right. Like, um, as a part of that last part, sorry to jump in, but like, even I had a situation with, um, my own family recently where my nephew, um, uh, I don't want to go too graphic, but he was close to taking his own life and he's a 10 year old kid. Right. This is like two weeks ago. And, um, he was suffering in science, you know, as a kid and he tried to that way too graphic tried to cut his wrists basically which is horrific and i got that message from my sister and um i spent some time with him the next day we met up and uh again this me sharing even though he's a 10 year old me sharing my anxiety he was like oh like uncle chris i never thought you would be like that like i see you as successful and like i'd never have thought that you would be feeling the way I am. And, and again, he felt like as a 10 year old, like he's this weird kid that he feels this way. And uh, he was all alone to the point where like, I can only imagine as a kid to get to that stage where you feel like you don't want to be live here. And he wrote, he wrote a letter to my sister. Um, I'm going to start crying on the podcast now <laughs> about how he didn't want to be alive. Right. And um, if he would have known that uncle Chris was feeling this way in advance, he probably wouldn't have felt so alone. And uh, that I was devastated even now for like, right, I'm going to like cry just talking about it. But like, it was heartbreaking to know that there's kids, even the kids that are suffering during this time as well. Um, and they feel alone. So it's like, I feel like it's our duty to, to, um, to share our story and be there. And, um, it wasn't, and now he's, you know, I've enrolled, enrolled him in martial arts. He's started jujitsu. He's super excited about it. He can, you know, he knows he can give me a call whenever he's feeling down, which he has done in the, over the past week or so, just when he's not feeling well and he has an outreach, he has an outlet. He's not just suffering in silence. So that's just something that like, even though I shared it on the podcast, like I wish I spoke more with my family about because he would have heard about that and then we can have a chat. We could have had a chat. We wouldn't have got to that stage. And that really, that really hit me to feel like, oh, like this is happening in my own family and no one knows about it. Um, yeah. So sorry to end it on a bit of a downer, but that, yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, that was really hard to hear. You, you know what? The, yeah. uh, that's actually not a, oh, Yeah, sorry, I, I, I was going to say what Adrian was going to say is that's not an ending on a downer. Uh, that, that is, um, that's beautiful. I think we're all crying right now <laughs> with that story because you just don't know. You just don't know. You know, uh, people mm -hmm. suffer in silence. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, that's why your work in HR and the stuff you're doing with your podcast and the stories that you share and, uh, you know, the work that we're trying to do with anxiety at work and, and leading with gratitude is that you don't know where people are coming from. You, you don't know what they're struggling with. And so it's, it's so important to, to be kind, to be grateful. I love what you said about and just listen. And say, you know what? Everybody's having a tough day. Everybody is. And and to not take that for granted. You know, even the happiest people. You know, this uh, 
breakdancing number one sales guy, you know, hockey player that's happy all the time. We all have tough days. And, 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 and most times we're afraid to share those tough days. So, you know, just thank you so much for being so vulnerable and, and, and sharing your story and, and uh, doing the work you do. It's, it's, it's going to help a lot of people to know that uh, Chris Rainey can come through that and be the Chris Rainey he is. And, uh, and we're just, we're grateful that you're our friend, Chris. And uh, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks, Chester. Me is, uh, and uh, I, I, obviously I'm super big fans of both of yours and um, super excited about the impact that this podcast and the book is going to have on people um, as well. So I feel like we just need to play, everyone needs to play their part. And um, yeah, really excited to be part of the community that you're building. And um, as I said, if anyone's listening and they, they want someone to talk to, I'm happy to chat um, as well. And um, yeah. So, uh, Chris, this has been just amazing. Where can people learn more about you? Sure. Uh, HRDleaders.com. Uh, you can find out more about us. The podcast is also available. HR, HR Leaders Podcast. Anywhere podcasts are available, we're there. And um, you also can connect with me on LinkedIn. So, Adrian, I mean, what an incredible conversation with Chris Rainey. The guy is so vulnerable, so genuine, so honest. And, uh, you know, we always at the end, we, what, what were your key takeaways? What, was the, what were a couple of things that just popped in here and said, boy, that was just unbelievable. I'll never forget that. One of the most uh, powerful things from Chris was that, I mean, for 12 years, he hid this from his wife, from his, his colleagues, everyone. Um, and, when, and yet one thing he told me uh, that he said, uh, when you hide that, people think the worst. Um, you may have anxiety. That's probably the, the best thing they can know because they're thinking, oh, that he doesn't like me. Uh, he's a snob, this out of the other. People assume the worst. It's better just to sort of be open with this if we can. Yeah. You know, he said, I, I would leave weddings early or I wouldn't go. And they'd say, well, he doesn't care about our family. And then once he said, I, I have these anxiety attacks, Mary said, oh, I, I, that happens to me too. And they were so forgiving. I, I, my big thing was when he finally confessed, you know, if you can say it's a confession on the, on the podcast, how he felt this enormous weight taken off his shoulders, that it, he was finally free of this secret that he'd been keeping from everybody was, was one of my really big takeaways. Uh, another thing I really loved that he said was, you know, when we asked him about, you know, what what about managers? How can they help or team members? Uh, and he said, just listen, you don't right. need to understand because in this world, we, we, you know, we're trying to understand everybody's issues. And, stuff. and he says, look, no, you're not going to understand how I feel, but you can listen and you can say, are you okay? And truly mean it. I love that. Yeah. He said, you know, managers, uh, you're not going to have the solution. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm not looking for advice. I'm just looking for somebody to listen. I thought he was so candid when he said, you know, when I was hiding it, uh, I was lying. I was lying to people. And, you know, which is never a good thing. You know, when he stopped lying, it was, uh, it, it was much better. People were more, um, more forgiving. And that was my other big takeaway is he said, you know, people rallied. As soon as they knew I had this problem, they rallied to my defense that you are never alone. And I thought, boy, that is so reassuring. If you're out there struggling with anxiety, you think you've got to hide it. You think it's a weakness. And yet when you come on, you tell people, the people that love you will rally around you. 
Yeah, because some people may be listening to this and going, yeah, but people around me wouldn't do this. They'd make fun of me. or And it is hard. Everybody's situation is different. Um, that's one thing with Chris is he, he gets anxious when people aren't around. Others get anxious when people are around. You know, we're all very different. Um, but I just thought his point about being vulnerable, um, if people around you aren't going to rally to you, you're probably surrounding yourself with the wrong people. Uh, and I just loved his vulnerability um, and and the way that he stepped in to help his his nephew, who would not have anybody had Chris not uh, been willing to be vulnerable himself. Yeah. You know, I, I love that he did his homework. He did his research. Right. He said, I found these are the things that work for me. You could tell that he'd, he'd, he'd read stuff about the endorphins and, you know, your, your brain and where, how it works. And he did his homework and he said, look, these are the things that work for me. Uh, they may not work for you. They work for me. If I, if I get enough sleep, if I eat right and I exercise, the odds of me getting anxious, you know, go way down. Anything else? Because, I mean, there was so much there. You and I could talk for another hour about our takeaways from, from Chris, right? So much, so much good about how he's learned to deal with it himself. You know, calling someone, uh, breathing, the box breathing, the stepping away, finding a new environment, you know, sleep, eat, exercise. Uh, you know, simple little things that, that he has found that work that are very profound. And so hopefully, as you're listening, you're finding things that are working for yourself. Um, we, again, are so thankful for our guest, Chris Rainey, from HR Leaders, and for the amazing insights that he shared with us. Right, Chess? Absolutely. You know, I, I loved at the end when he said, look, if you're listening to this and you need somebody, here's my email address. You know, Chris at HRLeaders.com. And, and I think that kind of vulnerability, and that's what we're hoping to build in our We Thrive Together community. You know, show up. We want to re remove that stigma of being able to talk about anxiety and stress at work and help each other out. Share best practices. You know, develop a community where it's safe to talk about those things, and we can help you get through your anxiety. That's, that's our passion, and that's our mission. Right, Adrian? And we want to thank our producer, Brent Klein, our booking manager, Christy Lawrence, and all of you for tuning in today. We want to thank you so much for, for taking a few minutes to think about anxiety. If you'd like to connect with us, go to gosticandelton.com or, or join our We Thrive Together global community. Absolutely. Hope to see you there and have a great week. Surround yourself with... I want to thank our sponsor, Life Guides. Life Guides is a peer-to-peer -peer community that helps people navigate through their day-to-day -day stressors by providing a place of empathy, listening, wisdom, and support with a guide who has walked in your shoes, experiencing the same challenges that you're that you are having in your life. Let me try that again. Shoot, this would be so easy. It's written right in front of me. Here we go. I want to thank our sponsor, Life Guides a peer-to-peer -peer community that helps people navigate through their day-to-day -day stressors by providing a place of empathy, listening, wisdom, and support with a guide who has walked in your shoes, experiencing the same challenge or life experience as you. Go to lifeguides.com forward slash schedule a demo and add the code HEALTHY2021 to the free text box to receive two months of free service. And I also want to thank our other sponsor, Go Happy Hub. Go Happy Hub is the most inclusive and timely way to communicate and engage directly with your frontline employees and candidates 
with a 95% open rate. With Go Happy Hub, you can send text messages directly from corporate to enable permissions for your frontline leaders to communicate with their team. You can send notes of gratitude, logistical updates, referral opportunities, LTOs, new hire introductions, learning content, celebrations, and more. Easily get the right message to the right people with simple segmentation by location, job type, language, and get feedback from the field in a structured, digestible, and actionable way. That's Go Happy Hub. And for listening to our podcast, if you say Chester sent you or Adrian sent you, you get two months of free service. A wonderful offer for our listeners.